Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, Richmond, the Dogs, Marcus Bontempelli, Oscar Allen, all making news today. But it is a big night, a defining night for the MRO at the Tribunal and maybe even a defining night for the future of our game and the way it's played. Time on, your say on the news of the day, SEN. Uh, Good evening, welcome to Time On. Bob and Andy, another brilliant show. Love the Ten Commandments. There's still text coming through about those, but plenty of news today, and Time On is all about your say on the news of the day. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. It is, in so many ways, a defining night for the tribunal, isn't it? And for the MRO and the way in which it's set up and the way in which it works. So the decisions on Lockie Plowman, but more so Nick Holman, have the potential to reshape the way the game is played moving forward. So two football actions under scrutiny here. As old as time, one of them is a measured stat considered crucial in the modern game. The, that's the tackle. The rundown tackle is also one of the true highlights of our great game. It's up there with the big hanger, the miracle goal. We have a goal of the week, a mark of the week. We have a goal of the year, a mark of the year. Now, we don't have a tackle of the year, but on AFL Nation, we have the tackler or tackle of the game. And a lot of the broadcasts do. They reward and they look to highlight the great tacklers or the great tackles within a game. The rundown tackle, it's a team lifter. It's a coach pleaser. It's a crowd riser. When you see someone run someone down from behind, like Nick Holman did, like Jason Johannesson did, the crowd rise with that in appreciation and marvel of of the desperation and the commitment of that player to perform that act. And it's on trial for the first time in the game's history tonight. Just imagine if the Specky was on trial this week. Just how would that make you feel? If next week a player takes mark of the year but knocks out a player in the process, gets gets suspended as a result of that, this is not far removed from it without being alarmist. The game cannot run scared of itself. It can't cut it off its nose to spite its face. We can't... We can't change the DNA of the game to the point that tonight could. Most of us have been on board wanting to protect the head, that the the head is sacrosanct to protect it as much as we can. We've been on, on board in saying that if you choose to bump, you'll be responsible for the outcomes of that bump because we know that the bump itself, whilst it might have started out as a way to shepherd and a way to provide space and block for a teammate, there was a time when it was used as a weapon. 
to try and take out someone, to hurt someone. We know that the sling tackle has that capability too, and the dangerous tackle as well. But the actual tackle itself is one of the fundamentals of the game. Kick, mark, handball, tackle are the pillars on which the game was built. And tonight, we're actually at risk of knocking out a pillar. What happens when we do that is anyone's guess. So it is a big night tonight, and that's more so with the Nick Holman. The Lockie Plowman one as well is being argued as we speak. So Carlton at the moment have said that it was an incidental contact, that Plowman was legitimately trying to take a, uh, take part in a marking contest and that the ball was in fight within five metres of it. They won't contest the high contact and the high impact, but they're saying it was not careless as it was initially deemed to be careless, high impact and high contact. So they're not arguing the second two. They're arguing the first one. So Fox footy, you've got a, an ongoing blog about this at the moment. So Carlton's reasons to acquit have this have been, this was not a bump. This was not an election to bump and they didn't even elect to brace the evidence they've used there. Plowman's right arm and that fist and the aftermath of both players being on the ground. They say this was a collision that was incidental to a legitimate marking contest. The collision resulted from the courage of both players and the fact both players only had eyes for the ball. They've said in the guidelines they specific that, that they're specifically written for this type of football incident because of the exceptions. They're football incidents, not reportable incidents. Permitted conduct. The football is not more than five metres away. Contact is incidental to a marking contest where a player is legitimately affecting a mark. These represent, in quotation marks, a fabric of our game to ensure players contest marks. So that's where we're at at the moment. Uh, They've put more reasons to acquit. If there's no election to bump and you're contesting the ball, you're not liable. Uh, The tribunal chairman is now speaking to the jury about the definition of rough conduct. The guidelines refer to unreasonable conduct. He says they must judge the factual situation of what Plowman did and then consider whether his conduct was reasonable in the circumstances. So that's where we're at at the moment, and that's where we'll continue to update you uh, throughout the course of the evening. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Of course, your say on the news of the day. Um, just a couple of things getting around at the moment. Um, this is a great news story for the Western Bulldogs, who on an interesting day and a tough day for them, they're in quarantine at the moment, given that one of their staff members uh, apparently went to one of the hotspots uh, at High Point. So they've gone into quarantine while all the players and staff are being tested. They've all had their tests done. So the Dogs released a statement about that. But they also released a statement that Marcus Bontempelli has um, re-signed with the club for four years. Now, I don't have a heap of details in and around that, but it's a four-year contract uh, extension. So no free agency for Marcus Bontempelli. He'll be a dog for an extra four years, which is wonderful news. And when you look at the fact at the moment that he is probably, and there'll be and people that will make an argument for Christian Petrarca, but just over the evolution of time, Marcus Bontempelli now easily the second best player in the game and maybe even on the form this year in comparison, closing that gap between Dusty. Long way to go. Dusty's three grand finals, three Norm Smith medals. That, that is Jordan-like in, its, um, in terms of our game um, and may never, ever be done again. But Marcus Bontempelli, clearly the second best player in the league now. He has levelled up. He has powered up. He has gone to another place in the game. And the game actually looks easy to Marcus Bontempelli now. If you're watching him play at the moment... He looks like a guy who knows that there's not much he can't do on a football field in comparison to the players around him. A couple of the kicks that he bit off on the weekend. There's one in the last quarter that Aaron Norton marks at the top of the square. That he, It's a 90-degree kick that doesn't get more than half a metre to a metre off the ground. Probably a metre. 
maybe a bit more, but it is flat, low, hard, and almost audacious in the attempt. But that's just how well he knows his game at the moment. He knows exactly what he's capable of, and he knows exactly what he's able to do uh, out on a footy field. Um, he is just in rare air at the minute, and it is a joy to watch, and we're lucky to see him play. And he might end up being soon to play that we go, I was lucky enough to see him. That's, I think, where Marcus Bontempelli is going to, just as someone who gets to call his games. Four years, I think that's pretty reasonable. And from what we understand, Marcus Bontempelli won't be taking the full amount. It was reported last week, I think Sam Edmund might have even had the story last week, that um, it'll be a good a good deal, as it should be, but he'll allow them to be able to have some money left to make sure they keep this list together that they've got that is right in the hunt and worthy of being premiership favourites this year. Um, the AFL's investigation into the nightclub incident involving Richmond pair Daniel Rioli and Shea Bolton found that Bolton had exacerbated the situation through his actions. So uh, Bolton acknowledged that he should have chosen to de-escalate the situation rather than become involved. So neither player have been found guilty of any kind of misconduct. But what they have found is that, and Shea Bolton has admitted that he has exacerbated the situation, getting involved after Daniel Rioli was hit, after he intervened on what we're told was uh, a member of the public um, being inappropriate, speaking inappropriately uh, and maybe even making inappropriate conduct with his partner at the time. So uh, Bolton acknowledges that he should have chosen to de-escalate rather than become involved. Richmond and Bolton will make a $20,000 donation to an organisation that works with males to help develop healthy masculinity. Rioli has been cleared of, of any misconduct. AFL General Counsel Andrew Dillon said the investigation concluded that Shay's actions on the night had the potential to cause a much worse situation for all involved. Shay understands the choice he made was wrong. He has acknowledged his mistake and is now accountable for his actions. This is our message. This is a message that is bigger than our playing group. It is a message to everyone in the community, regardless of age, professional circumstances. Walk away. Violence is never the action. Uh, Shay Bolton has been quoted. I've thought about what happened recently and what could have happened as a result of my actions. When I saw what happened to Daniel, I acted on instinct. I now know that my instincts were wrong and that my actions could have led to far more serious outcome. I want to say publicly that I made the wrong choice and that I am sorry for getting involved in the manner that I did. The right choice is to walk away from trouble or for me to do whatever I could to stop what was happening and not do something that could make it worse. Violence is never okay, no matter what the circumstances, and I want to share that message with everyone. The right choice is to walk away. Um, So that's where we're at, and that's where we've ended up with the Richmond situation with Shea Bolton and Daniel Rioli. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text temper uh, a mattress like no other. So we'll continue to update you throughout the night because it is a massive night at the AFL tribunal. So Lockie Plowman's case being heard at the moment, trying to get that two week ban for rough conduct against Jaeger O'Meara overturned. Um, graded as careless conduct, high impact, high conduct, uh, high contact. He's pled not guilty, and, and as I said before, they're trying to say their their belief is that the incident was legitimately taking part in a marking contest so that they are arguing the careless conduct part of that charge. Marlon Pickett will be up from about 6.15pm, the one-week ban for striking Brandon Stasevich, assessed as careless conduct, medium impact and high conduct uh, and high contact, and then Gold Coast from 7.30. So from 7 o'clock tonight, we're taking the Melbourne City game, but I'll be back from 9 o'clock just to update you uh, and to get your reactions from what happens tonight uh, at the tribunal. So... Nick Holman, this one has, I think, major ramifications to the actual fabric 
of our game and the way in which it's played. So the careless conduct, high impact, high conduct, high contact for the dangerous tackle on Mitch Duncan. It was assessed as a dangerous tackle. Um, we'll talk about that in just a moment. If you haven't heard Jared Waitley's editorial on it, I'll play you some of that as well. Uh, but Mark and Bacchus Marsh has jumped on the line. Mark, hello to you. Hey, Sammy. How you going, mate? I'm really well, thanks. Mate, this whole concussion thing, I want to take it in another direction because every other direction so far has been explored and magnified and dissected. That many times it's not funny. And I think this is a logical progression. And it makes perfect sense now. But might not, the players probably won't be happy with it. But look at Caleb Daniel and his helmet. Never had a concussion. Now, if people say helmets aren't going to work, then how come in two to France, every cyclist wears a helmet so they hit their head on the ground? If it didn't work, they wouldn't be wearing helmets. They work. Now, if Mitch Duncan's wearing a soft headgear like Caleb Daniel, are we here tonight? It's a contact sport, so there's going to be contact's going to be inevitable. So then the next, so like the natural evolution is headgear, head protection. It's, lo- it's actually logical. You know, if I want to ride a bike down the street these days, I've got to wear a helmet. It's the law. Or if mm. the police get you, it's a fine. Now, you cannot say that the headgear is not going to help at all. It softens the blow. It absorbs some of the energy before it gets further in. And like I said, I've never seen Caleb Daniel have a concussion. Hey, it's a, really, it's a really interesting point you raise, Mark. And if we look at a game that's been at a professional level for much longer than ours, and I know they wear pads as well, but um, the NFL have been wearing helmets for a long time. They're continuing to try and evolve the type of helmets and the technology behind the helmets that, that they use. I know it's very, very different that we don't want those kind of helmets. So they wouldn't work in our game because um, we're, we're not wearing pads and all those kind of things. But maybe you're onto something. I don't know. I, I haven't spent any time thinking of it. And I'd like to go away and consider it more, but it is an interesting proposition uh, that you raise as the athletes get fitter and stronger and the game gets faster, which means that collisions will have be at a, at a higher rate, at a higher speed, and therefore will have a greater impact, as is my understanding of physics. Hey, maybe you're onto something, Mark. I appreciate the thought you put into it. Uh, and if you've got a view on Mark's, I, I, I want to go away and have a think about it. Uh, I'm neutral on it at the moment, but... It's an interesting proposition that you raise. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Paul's in Ringwood. G'day, Paul. Yeah, good evening. Look, I don't want to rain on your parade, but back in the sixties, when the tackle was the means of getting a free kick and yes, hurting an opponent, you were tackled. Unfortunately, what happened there? And if you did that back in the sixties, you would be reported for unduly rough play, because the tackle was never designed as a pillar of the game to bury your opponent. It only became that way in the 80s and the 90s. It's not a pillar of the game at all. It's an abuse of the game in that when a player tackles an opponent, he does so to bury him. It was always as a means of getting a free kick. The bump in the shirt front was how you hurt an opponent. I, I agree with so, you, Paul. Um, I, I agree I, with you wholeheartedly. With all due respect, I think you're wrong there. Well, Hang on, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm saying that this tackle from Nick Holman... He's tackled someone at pace with momentum going forward at, at the highest speed he can. He's run him down from behind, both players sprinting. He hasn't 
he hasn't deliberately driven him or dumped him into the ground, the momentum of, of the, the speed in which he was running at has taken them both forward. But So I think no, he's done exactly no. what you're talking about. He's trying no, to win the free kick. No, you're wrong because they used to roll. No, you're wrong because okay. they used to roll away. Otherwise, they were paid in the back. So, do you think what Paul did was? Uh, sorry, Paul. Do you think what Nick Holman did is a reportable offence and a suspendable offence? And do you think it was malicious and that he was trying to dump or drive the player into the ground, or do you think he was trying to do as you said to win a free kick? No, he was trying to injure the player. So you, the point so is, you know for a, so you know the, for a the, fact the, that he was trying to injure the player. Yes, because they're sent out there to make your opponent earn their kick. They're, the players are sent out there, having worked as a trainer, to say that you have to make your opponent earn their kick. You have to apply physical pressure. You have to make your opponent know that he's going to cop it if he goes near the ball. Now, cop it is um, a very poor way of explaining that it's physical. And sent up to the player to determine what physical... Um, pressure he puts on his opponent. You don't go out to maim an opponent, but you do go out to make sure that they are injured and it takes them a while so to you, get up. So, 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 Paul, your your contention is that every team sends their players out to injure opposition. That's what tackles are all about these I, days. I, I respectfully disagree, Paul. I, I, I respectfully disagree. I don't think that Nick Holman had any intention of trying to injure. And to think that every single player, there was a time when there were players that would go out and say, if I'm going to tackle you, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you. But, I, but that's, that's not the way in which the game is in, these, in, in, in the modern times. I, I would respectfully disagree with you there. There was a time, absolutely. But it is still a pillar of the game to be able to lay a tackle as a way of winning the ball back to get a free kick to stop the play the opposition player moving forward. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't. I, I don't think that there's any team that sends the players out there at the highest level of football to deliberately maim or injure. Um, and I think we're almost, you know, <laughs> we're actually that's unfair. Um, to Nick Holman and, and, and to a lot of the players that, that, that play the game. But thank you for the call, though, Paul. I appreciate it. Andy's in Perth. G'day, Andy. Hey, mate. How you going? Hey, mate, I just wanted to respond to the Mark from Back of Smash. Now, I don't mind listening to Mark. He's usually a good caller. But, mate, they stopped wearing those helmets, those soft helmets in boxing because all they did was spread the impact. Ah, there's nothing okay. to show that they... So that's why they no longer wear them in amateur boxing. And, mate, you can't compare apples and oranges. Two at the front, cycling about 60 k's an hour, going to hit a concrete surface, and it's a totally different helmet. So, like, and you can think of 100 footballers that played without helmets and never had a concussion. So he's been a bit selective with Caelan Daniel. No, I appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for that. I wasn't aware that that had happened in boxing, and uh, and, and so thanks for that information. That's uh, that's a, a valuable contribution to the to the conversation, and I thank you for making it. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Joe and Vaughan, stay right there. I'll give you the latest on where we're at uh, in the Lockie Plowman proceedings at the moment. Um, Carlton have just said, what else could be made? What else could be more legitimate than two players contesting a mark? It's the very heart of the game. So that's where we're at. Uh, at the moment as I'm looking at the live feed coming through from uh, Fox Sports. So we'll keep you up to speed on that. And if you've got your say uh, on any of the news of the day, one 736 736 Time on, SEN. Was Nick Holman's action unreasonable in the circumstances? He set off in pursuit of an opponent with the ball to hunt him down. To do that required hitting full pace. 
He arrived at precisely the right moment and laid the tackle as Duncan entered his kicking action. He won holding the ball. His actions were not only reasonable, they were mandatory and they were meritorious. Jerry Whateley today, uh, SEN.com.au to hear the full editorial. It's probably a must listen in context of today as the game is essentially on trial from itself and against itself. It's an extraordinary night and has the potential to change the face of the game as we know it. And I don't think that's overplaying it in any way, shape or form. 1-300-736-736 is the number. Um, at the moment, uh, I believe, deliberation happening. Uh, the tribunal chairman has spoken to the jury about the definition of rough conduct. Uh, the AFL has also said the question is not whether the conduct was reasonable, whether there was a bump and whether it caused forceful conduct. Uh, tribunal member uh, Richard Loveridge, uh, is this about whether this was a bump? The chairman agrees. So they're actually getting into the real nitty-gritty of what is actually what the jury is there to consider. And at the moment, from what I'm reading, Max Lawton's sort of live blogging this, it, it would appear that there's a bit of disagreement about and a, a lack of agreement about what they actually are there to consider, if I'm reading this correctly. And I'm just sort of reading it in real time. So bear with me on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 We'll get to what Dermot Burton thought about uh, the Ploughman incident. But Kane Corns has spoken about Lockie Ploughman. Equally Ploughman, like we're not going to talk a lot about Ploughman because of the Holman one. It's a good footy contest. No malice, no intent. He spoiled the ball. Unfortunately, O'Meara gets concussed and he gets two weeks. Uh, Kane Corns uh, speaking. Uh, 1-300-736-736, your say on the news of the day. I mentioned before Marcus Bontempelli uh, has re-signed with the club for four years. Uh, he has said uh, in a statement today... Ultimately, I see this club doing some really good things over the next four years and hopefully longer. I'm keen to be as much a part of that as I can be. I always wanted to stay a bulldog. It was important for me to take the appropriate time with this decision and to have the right conversations before re-signing. It's pleasing to know I'll continue to be part of the journey at this football club. So hopefully uh, Bont will speak to someone tomorrow. Obviously a bit happening for the dogs at the moment as they're in uh, quarantine after one of their staff members went to one of the exposure sites. So they're all getting tested and in, and they'll stay at home in the meantime. So what a night to celebrate. What a way to celebrate for the Bont. You re-sign for four years and just at home you'll stay while you're in quarantine. These are the times that we live in. Uh, Joe's in Box Hill. We had a caller Mark, uh, call Mark earlier who was... Uh, floated the idea of bringing in helmets uh, to the AFL in relation to concussion. And a few people have said how they don't actually prevent what um, concussion actually is now. And we've learnt through, uh, I suppose, development and science that um, it's actually the rattling of the brain, um, not the, the padding around it. Um, so even if you've got that helmet on, when you get the knock, it's the rattling um, that causes the damage. But uh, Joe's in Box Hill. G'day, Joe. Uh, good evening. Um, first, uh, two things. First, that call before that said Holman had, like virtually said, had malicious intent. Um, and he knew he had malicious intent. Well, that's absolutely rubbish. He doesn't know what was going through Holman's mind. And no. Waitley just summed it up perfectly. I don't. I think that's just a knee-jerk reaction, that report, and he'll get off. I don't think he's got anything to worry about. As far as helmets and concussions, um, you'd... Stole a bit of my thunder about rattling. Oh, sorry, Joe. Um, <laughs> Apologies. Yeah, um, yeah, what happens is, I'll give you two examples in a minute. What happens is um, 
when the brain the brain rattles in in your head like a jelly in the mould if you shake it, and there's a membrane between the inside lining of your skull and the surface of your brain, and it's called the dura. It's a three layered membrane. If it rattles enough, the vessels, the blood vessels that go through it, will stretch and tear. And if they do, you're in big trouble. And I know from personal experience because I've had three operations due to a fall down the stairs from a, a concussion. And while I was in hospital, um, there were two incidents that happened. One was with the former Lord Mayor, Ron Walker. He, um, right at about that time, he'd fallen off his bike in the Fitzroy Gardens and he was wearing a helmet. His head hit the side of the curb. Uh, he was all right. And for a month, a month later, he's in St. Vincent's having a, I think he had a Burrholder, had a hematoma drained because he had a blood clot formed. Right. And that's, and, and there was another one, um, the actor yep. Liam Mason, his wife, was taking skiing lessons mm-hmm. and she was wearing a helmet. Um, she fell over, her head hit um, a log or a rock or something, but she was wearing the helmet. She got up, dusted herself off, off said, yep, I'm all right. Um, two days later, she died from a brain hemorrhage. Yep. Now, hey, Joe, you bring up some really, I mean, obviously they're quite distressing, in, in especially the last one, but uh, they're poignant examples that you raise, and I thank you for uh, doing so. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Tony's uh, on the road. Tony, hello to you. G'day, Sam. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Yeah, mate. Uh, just the guy talking the other day about whether players are trying to go and hurt people, I've noticed... More so in recent years, and certainly this year, is in a tackle. You know, back in the day, back in the 80s, I used to play, you'd tackle someone, but you, you'd pull them to the ground, but you would have thrown them to the ground. But now I see there's a lot of slinging when they got the ball. And I noticed that I was at the Hawthorne Carlton game the other night, and I think one of the Hawthorne players had someone with the ball, and they clearly couldn't get rid of it, but they threw them to the ground. I, I just think that's, that's dangerous. That's one of the things I used to hate when I was playing. If you ever got tackled and thrown to the ground on someone else's arm, you'd end up with bruised ribs or, or worse. Yeah, well, that, the, the slinging tackle is the tackle that they want out of the game. And I think we all agree, reasonably agree, that that has the propensity and the potential to, to cause injury that we don't want, given what we're learning about concussion. But that's not what the Nick Holman tackle is. And it's, thanks for the example, Tony. I appreciate it. That's not what the Nick Holman tackle was. It, the outcome can't be where we start. The action is what needs to be judged. And there's no way you can look at that action and say that Nick Holman did something wrong. Jared summed it up perfectly. I couldn't do it any better if I tried, so I won't. But Jared summed it up absolutely perfectly. So that game is actually on trial tonight of itself and from itself. It's going to be an extraordinary night. And if, if he's found not guilty, then the question that then gets put back onto the MRO and the way in which we adjudicate that. And and, it, and it, I heard the discussion today whether after this, if, if, he's, if he's let off and found not guilty, then Steve Hocking, maybe Michael Christian, probably need to front up to a press conference tomorrow and just explain what's happening here. Explain where we're at now. Because I feel like we've jumped the shark and hopefully the tribunal will protect us, will, 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 will right this wrong, protect us from ourselves. But then we need to get an understanding of, okay, how does this happen? Why has this happened? And uh, can we expect more of this? Time for a few home truths. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Time on.
Uh, welcome back to Time On. You're saying the news of the day, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Jury now deliberating in the Lockie Plowman case. Uh, Chairman Ross Howie asked the panel to consider whether it was a bump or whether uh, it was careless. They've even argued about what constitutes a marking contest. That's the contentious nature of this particular case as well. So two cases tonight that could very well change the fabric of how the game is played, and that's not an alarmist view. That's a realistic view on what's going on this evening. A couple of little things making news. Oscar Allen has recommitted uh, to the West Coast Footy Club till the end of season 2025, so that's a big signature. Prized key position player, and what a season he's having. Uh, a couple of people believe he's the best young key forward in the game. Um, Sam Edmund has also revealed today that a permanent time change for Friday night footy. AFL's marquee time slot will be moved back half an hour from 7.50 to 7.20. I like this. That's very family-friendly, uh, kid-friendly as well. We've had people saying that, you know, by the time you leave a game now, you're not getting home till midnight, and that's not even considering the people that are travelling to regional areas to come down to Friday night footy. So that's uh, well done, AFL. I like that decision, and uh, you'd expect Thursday night footy to, 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 to follow suit when it comes back in a couple of weeks' time. Mark's in Templestowe. G'day, Mark. G'day, Sam. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, no, thank concussion you. Issue. Yeah, um, look, I... I want to sort of throw a, a third element into the uh, concussion discussion. Um, I look at the uh, the state of the football grounds and the pristine look of them, and they're built for speed. These mm. ovals uh, are trimmed to the minute. They are built for fast track. Now, when you look at the uh, the, the, the conditions of these grounds, um, you know, it's, they look like golf greens. Now, Yep. You know, a player at top speed, the, these guys are trained for speed. The, the very notion of the game with the science going into it, with the design of the boots, the way that the players are mm. training, um, you know, they, they're built for speed now. Yep. Now, you combine strength and speed onto a surface that's built for fast movement, the, the opponent that gets tackled at, at high speeds is hitting these grounds that are like concrete. Um, hey, Mark, now, that's a, a, a great point that you make, and I thank you for ringing up to, to make it. I'd love to spend more time with you. A lot of people are keen to jump in, and we've just got the A-League uh, happening, uh, Brisbane Raw and Melbourne City uh, at 7 o'clock, so I want to try and give everyone a say. But, Mark, that's a great point that you make. The gone are the days where you'd be tackled into a mud pit um, and from for you know for all intents and purposes, I think we're, we're glad to see the back of the mud pit, but it can't be counted out when we look at the issue of concussion and heads hitting the ground because the surfaces are much, much harder now. So it's a, a really good point that you bring up. And I remember when the Gold Coast Suns first started with all those young bodies, they were really hard surfaces they were having to train on at the Gold Coast. They, they were also contributing to soft tissue injury, to impact injuries as well. So when players, we're seeing more knees and ankles done these days. And I wonder whether that's a cause of those as well. So, Mark, thank you for making that point. Greatly appreciated. Freddie's in Elwood. Hello, Freddie. G'day, Sammy. Uh, just call and give a little bit of a different perspective on the concussion. Mm. Um, more around not jumping at shadows for helmets um, from our second previous caller. And more from a cycling perspective that I understand you can still get concussion, but um, but still going to minimise the damage. And I've certainly had a few concussions uh, from coming off the bike and wearing a helmet. And one mm. could have been a hell of a lot worse with a crack on the helmet right above the temple. That it's one you don't just walk out of. So, um, yeah, it's still important to be to be wearing them. Um, but, yeah, football helmets, a little bit less of an expertise in that area. 
but surely it's going to be having a level of preventing damage. Yeah, Freddie, there's a few people who are having that view as well to say that it, it, it can't hurt. Um, maybe it can lessen the impact sometimes, which would then maybe lessen the uh, ferocity of the rattling of the brain that we know is, is and from what the re- what we're being told, is is the major cause and what actually is the physical action that happens to cause the concussion. So thank you. I, I appreciate you making that call. Uh, Vaughan's in Heidelberg. G'day, Vaughan. Hi, Sammy. How are you? Really well, thank you. That's great. Sammy, I'd just like to also um, make an informed response to the gentleman who was advocating for the uh, use of helmets. Yep. The research is very clear. There are two types of injuries that helmets can help uh, prevent. One of them are are lacerations to the scalp. Yep. And the other ones are fractured skulls. So, you know, for a bike rider, obviously, you know, you want to be preventing a fractured skull and therefore, you know, you'd be advocating for the use of, of bike helmets. However, um, the wearing of soft helmets in contact sports has been shown to actually increase the risk of long-term brain damage. And the, uh, the studies are indicating that uh, those who wear soft helmets can actually uh, receive more hits over a greater period of time. And that uh, accumulation of damage um, over a long period of time is more likely to result in long-term brain damage than um, more significant uh, hits of less number, if that makes sense. So... Um, you know, I look at horror at a lot of the junior football teams whose uh, presidents and boards decide that it's a club policy for everyone to wear a helmet. And um, I believe sometimes of, of the law of un- unintended consequences. And I just wonder what the unintended consequences are of, of these kids getting more hits over a long period of time by being forced to wear helmets. Vaughan, thank you for the call. Uh, Greg's in Blackburn. G'day, Greg. G'day, Sam. Um, uh, congratulations to Marcus. Um, been a one-club player for his life. It's going to be a fantastic thing. Pontempelli, yeah. it's it, it, That's got a case of the feel-goods about it, I reckon, doesn't it? Oh, look, uh, one-club player is, is a one-club player, you know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm a Melbourne supporter. Looking forward to the match um, next week. And if Holman uh, gets cited for that, it's not dropped, then there's something obviously seriously, seriously wrong. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Greg. We can't. The game can't completely run scared of itself. Uh, I understand that there are issues with with players and, and legal action in regards to concussions, and and I know that it is an area, and I fully am on board with wanting to make sure we do everything possible to eliminate actions within our game that could lead to a greater occurrence of them. So I understand. Most people have been on board with okay. Well, if you choose to bump, it's up to you now. We haven't banned the bump. We've said if you choose to do it here's what will happen. The onus is on you to make sure that you don't concuss that person. So we've understood that. Nick Rewalt made a great point last night on, on, on the couch. He said, for the first time ever, the people that have said the game's going soft, the game's going soft and you know all that. He said, for the first time ever, those people now have a legitimate argument <laughs> when it comes to the, this, this Nick Holman situation and maybe even Lockie Plowman, depending on how you view it. And I know some people view that differently. So I understand why that's being looked at. And I'm a bit like, as Jared said, I understand why that's being looked at and that will have to pass a few tests um, if Lockie Plowman's to be let off. But the Nick Holman one certainly cannot be put up. That's the game trying to knock out a pillar um, that when you knock that out, what will then be the unintended consequence of that? I'm very, very nervous. Uh, and And I don't know if this is how you feel as well, but... For the first time ever that I can remember, I'm actually nervous about tonight's tribunal case. I don't know if you're feeling the same way, 
But I'm actually legitimately nervous about the Nick Holman case tonight because of what it may mean and, and what it could do and what it might change. And, and again, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but I'm nervous for the first time that I can remember about a tribunal case. Legitimately nervous. I wonder if you, if you feel the same, let me know. one 736 736 Ryan and David, stay right there. I'll come back to you straight away uh, on the other side of this, and we'll just check in and see if there's any update in the Lockie Plowman situation. But it's going to be a long night, I feel, because wasn't Marlon Pickett supposed to be up at quarter past six? It's now quarter to seven, and we're not yet at a decision for Lockie Plowman. Going to be a long night, but we're right here with you. I'll be back after the A League's finish at nine o'clock till ten, and we'll go through all of it then. But still, time to take your calls on time on. You're saying the news of the day. Uh, there is a, just a ton of temper text coming through zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen, and I and I would love to be able to read every single one of them. I apologise for not being able to get through all of them. We've just had a heap of people ringing through, and and still more now. We've got the A League, uh, Brisbane Raw, and Melbourne City coming up at seven. Uh, I'll be back at nine o'clock. So all the fallout from one of the biggest nights in recent memory at the tribunal, um, I think it's safe to say. Um, the Plowman case is currently still being deliberated. Apparently the uh, Carlton officials dropped off the feed, so they had to get the feedback. Uh, and there's a story uh, coming up on Fox footy at the moment that uh, WA Premier, uh, Fox Sports rather, that Mark McGowan has informed Essendon that they must return negative COVID tests before being able to exit quarantine when staff arrive in the state on Thursday. So, uh, the government has been liaising with Essendon, uh, mandates all arrivals from Victoria from 8pm on Tuesday night will need to get tested within 48 hours of arriving and self-isolate until receiving a negative test result. So that will have an impact on Essendon's preparation, no doubt. Um, they, they're not cutting back any crowd capacities at the moment. We should find out tomorrow afternoon, from what I've been told, whether there's any changes to uh, Melbourne and Victorian crowd capacities for this weekend so to wait and see on that but 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 sorry but 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 just channeling uh, looney tunes uh, at the moment we <laughs> like to believe that an announcement will be made tomorrow Find that grab for me, would you, Aaron? <laughs> Might even play it to say goodbye tonight. Uh Ryan's in Wheelers Hill. Good day, Ryan. Good day, mate. Be quick. Thank Years you. ago, rundown tackles fantastic. Right, but there was a way to tackle. You tackle a bloke and you're, you had to roll him on his side. Now uh, you tackle and it's just blatantly in the back. And the Mitch Duncan one, when he was tackled in the back and shoved into the ground, his head's got nowhere to go. They've got to reward the in the, 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 in the back. You've got to tackle the person, tackle him correctly, not slam him into the ground. I thought he went to the side of him, Ryan. I've been watching it all day. That's a real good look. Every tackle now, they just—it's just in the back. They don't roll the player over. Yeah, some I, I agree out. with you on some of them, and and I think that the umpires do a really good job of officiating that. I know it drives some people insane because they feel like it's been a great tackle. But Ryan, uh, thank you so much for holding and thank you for for calling in. Um, David's in St Kilda. G'day, Dave. Yeah, g'day, Sam. I've um not long moved down from Brisbane and watching the NRL and the union, it seems to me that they're cracking down on on actions to the head as well. But it seems to me that the AFL, to, to an extent, look at the Marlon Pickett yep. as an example and others I've seen this year, and, and I look at that and see that as, as having a more dangerous potential outcome. And yep. I think that's the action they need need to remove from the game and be harsher on as opposed to the tackle incident. And part of the tackle incident, I think, needs to go back to education from 
from the youngest level mm. and, and learning how to protect yourself. And I think you can't penalise a legitimate football action and and let... If Marlon Pickett's incident had ended up in concussion, it would be a lot worse. But I think he'll probably end up with no, no week suspension. And that, with two separate sort of attacks at the head, has got more potential injury and repercussion, I think, than the tackle as an example. Yeah, David, I, I agree with you there. Um, it, it doesn't sit comfortably with me personally, and it seems like not you either, where non-footballing actions like throwing elbows uh, at players or, or striking uh, players, that seems to carry very little consequence. Um, the Darcy Fogarty one springs to mind. Marlon Pickett got careless, which is why they'll probably be able to... They're going to argue the impact tonight. But if it had been graded as intentional, which it was, then there's no way to... Uh, then they'd have to try and argue that it wasn't intentional, which it can't do. But he may very well get off tonight. Mm. And I, there were two there were two actions to... I think you could have argued the first part of the action was a footballing action. But after he missed the spoil, he came back for a second go. So, I mean, I think there were two distinct actions. And that's what they should have, like you said, gone intentional. And, and that's the example that I think bears the most consequence down the track with yep. with concussion and, and protecting players from a legal perspective. Yep. Hey, David, thank you so much for the call. Really appreciate it. We've got to get out of here. Uh, the A-League is up next. Um, AFA, Football Nation, uh, Brisbane, Raw and Melbourne City. Uh, that's coming up now. Uh, and we'll be back with you from 9 o'clock with all the fallout and results from the Tribunal. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.